praise the Lord. We give God the glory. And we give God the praise. Um, in fact, you may be seated, please. When the prophet last night said, God gave him the word to come and declare a prophetic message to the church in Crosset. See, I designed the program. Hello? I said, I designed the program. Hallelujah. And I remember the conflict that I was going through. What is the man of God coming to say to the church? It took me two days to come to it. I had to suspend it because I was not getting it. So after much prayer, that was what God asked me to put it down. Can we give a clap offering unto the Lord? So God is in the house. God's program, not Dr. Mills' program. Not Pastor Angie's program. It is God's program that we are experiencing this weekend. You know, just what the prophet said yesterday and what I'm telling you should be at least one thing you can take from me. That this thing proceeds from the Lord. If this thing proceeds from the Lord, you being here today, this moment, you are like Rebecca. Hello? God has set you up here to hear him, his word, his intentions concerning you. When I was coming here this morning, the Lord said I should make sure that I tell the church these words. And so, he gave me Exodus chapter 1, beg your pardon, Exodus chapter 2, from verse 1 and 2. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took a wife, a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. Hallelujah. It's talking about Moses. At the time that Moses was born, there was wickedness in the land. 
It's a wickedness. When he was born, among all the many children that had been born at that time, there was no one son that this was spoken of. Are we talking? So, there were sons who were born who were killed. <laughs> that was the edict of Pharaoh, right? But when he came to Moses, some were saved. Some obviously went, you know, with the wickedness. All well and good with God. Hallelujah. It may be painful, but all well and good with God. But when Moses was born, clear indication of the scripture is that he was a goodly child. They were seeing something in Moses. See, I just, by the grace of God, met Pastor Angie Hogan at my daughter's launching of her ministry in Arkansas, uh, Mamel. And we've been talking. But in all our conversations, um, you know, this thing was just coming to me that this woman is anointed of God for something, something in America. Something in America. You know, uh, Pastor, uh, 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 Dr. Clucci met this woman and came here and he, the, the word of the Lord had come prophetically about what God is going to use this church for. So, in, you know, so it means that as soon as you come into encounter with this woman and what God is doing with this woman, you, you know, if you are flowing with the Holy Ghost, you will come to know that there is something about her and freedom ministries. A goodly child. A goodly church. A goodly church because there is purpose. And, and, and God was opening certain eyes to behold that purpose. And as they were, be, look at the church. Goodly. Oh, let's protect this goodly thing. It took 80 years. I said it took 80 years for us to really see <laughs> that goodly thing. 80 years. Time, in essence, was in place. In that 80 years, there came to a time that God encountered him. Said so now, See, so yesterday, the prophet said now. Right? Did you hear the prophet? He said now. So those 80 years are gone. Oh, now. You are not going to wait 80 years. Now. 
Now, 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 now. We thank God. Please be seated. Uh, can I have my slides, please? This is not teaching yet. This is not what I'm teaching today. This is what God said I should make sure I do. See, because I'm a teacher. <laughs> but there is a difference between a teacher and someone who is an educator. I am both. I'm an educator and I'm a teacher. My beloved uncle, God bless his heart. My dad died when I was about 13 and a half years. And he took me and got me into high school and everything. Got married and but in the middle of the years, I was walking by him and a group that I belonged to, Calvary Road Singers, Calvary Road Incorporated, were traveling to Nigeria. You know, this young man has never sat in a plane. And I got in an opportunity to travel to Nigeria <laughs> to sit in a plane. And uh, my uncle looked at me and he said, come, come, come. You, you are a teacher. And I want you to go and take an exam and school in the teacher training college. And I look at him. I said, oh, you know, at that time I had an option. E either that or just go to a senior high school and uh, do some other thing and get into university proper. But meanwhile, a stake was going to Nigeria and sitting in a plane. I managed, twisted around him, twisted, <laughs> hallelujah, to go to Nigeria. Came back, you know, all, you know, on and 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 on. I found myself one day at the School of Performing Arts. And guess what? My emphasis was drama in education. I'm an actor. A very good actor. Very good actor. I mean it. I've won two awards in my country as the best performer in the University of Ghana School of Performing Arts. So I know what I'm talking about. I've acted... Huge, huge plays. The Crucible, I was John Proctor. I know what I'm talking about. But it's not the acting. It's the education. Drama in education. I came to Moody. I was pursuing theater. And our president was preaching at chapel every Tuesday. And he was running a series called Following Jesus. Say Following Jesus. 
And in that series, God began to speak to me in my heart. Change your major from communication to education. Tears. Because I had just come from Ghana. The best actor. University of Ghana. Regent University were pursuing me. Phone calls upon phone calls to come and do theater. In me was, I'm just taking a few classes here and then by the end of the semester, I'm, I'm transferring to Regent University, Virginia, to pursue theater. And here was I, God, had cornered me, said, change your major from communication to education. I cried. I wept. Serious weeping. I had a dream. The nail of my big toe had undergrowth. The old one was not allowing the new one to come. When I woke up, the dream came to me. And I knelt down by my bedside. And I said, Lord, I surrender. And I went to the academic office, changed my major from communication to education. Started taking classes in education. That year, I was accepted into Wheaton College as a Billy Graham scholar to do my master's in educational ministries. Ended up with a doctorate degree in education. <laughs> See, there's a calling. It's a calling. It's a calling. God called me. So what we are going through this weekend is a God's thing. These things that are coming out of me, they're not because I went to Moody or because I went to Wheaton Graduate School. I had an encounter with God. You know, I can teach any subject as I'm standing here with you. My daughter will tell you. Any subject. And it will blow your mind. You've never heard it before. If I come to talk about faith, you hear something different. You've never heard it before. They are all in me. I'm an institution. I'm an educator. I equip the body. You you have not... These things that we are hearing, they are nothing. Nothing at all. Telling you. I'm saying this with the glory of God. I've also had an encounter. I have been made to pray for 12 hours consistently for three months. Fasting and praying consistently 12, uh, 12 hours every day, Monday to Sunday. No food in my stomach. And yes, the prophet is right. You can't do it until grace is given to you. And during that time, God began to unveil mysteries. 
mysteries. I mean, I will lie down. And it's like the Holy Spirit comes and is from one point to the other. This is why this, and this is why that, and this is why this. You know, there is like network. You know, all the things are coming together. And sometimes it's like word pouring into my mouth inside me. Serious instructions. I can teach any subject. I can teach you God. We are not, look, theology, Christian theology, what we do at Bible school, um, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, Moody Bible Institute and Whitting Graduate School, that is the- uh, philosophical theology. They are not life-transforming th- theology. I can teach you God, character of God. God. I mean, God, that your life will be transformed. Will equip you. I don't talk, we're not talking about God who is uh, 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 all powerful and all uh, knowing and is God and trying to prove who, whether God is or God is not. We, we, you know, defending apologetically to atheists. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about the God that Jesus revealed. That's what, that's, that, is, that is the theology. Study, revelation, theology. That is what I do. Say it with me. Revelation. Theology. No philosophical. Theology. That is what, you know, like prophet, sometimes we come into this thing and it's like you are criticizing something. No. You're not criticizing it. Because I have gone through it. Christian theology. I have the books. Some time ago, I have to go to that book and look at what God is saying about this subject and that subject. Not anymore. When I'm writing, I write a lot. I don't consult any book. Say, so, oh, research. And, no, I don't need to because the one who has revealed these things to me, he's just instructing me. I can change the format of my writing, the structure of my writing, what I write today, when I come to it again, I can't write it the same. I don't prepare sermons. I can't. Because, any, you know, I, I tell you, what I'm talking right now, I can move from any subject to every, and you will get something. Because that is how God has prepared me. I'm preempting all of these things to say that as an educator, it's my responsibility to piece up everything that we are doing here this weekend. They are not things we are doing uh, here fragmentally. Say fragments. They are not fragments. They are all pieced together. Hmm? Uh, Like something is hanging there. And something is hanging there, you know, and the other thing is hanging there, you know. So, what is all this? <laughs> no, there is organization in what we are doing. God has organized this. Amen. Everything we are doing here is all about freedom, ministry. That God is going to elevate and bring fire to America.
So it is not in vain that we started to come to an understanding of what he had envisioned in Christ and the church. That was what we did yesterday. Hallelujah. Uh, before then, the Friday we met and we're looking at how as a church, as the bride, the betrothed bride of Christ, how we are going to live with God. So there's a difference between living orientation and living in relation with God. Living orientation, we said, that it is what we prioritize and what we pursue. That is orientation. Your orientation. How you see things. What values come to you. The importance of things that come to you. And you prioritize them. And you pursue them. In whatever vehicle that has to be pursued. You go about pursuing them. To meet that priority. That is orientation. Living orientation. And we're saying that Jesus came to change our living orientation that we had after Adam had been sacked from the garden. Hello? And we're saying that it's a fundamental, it's a foundation. It's a substance. After the whole experience, Herabo Shandeli became Dele, became the Fadas. How are you living with God? What decisions and how, how are your decisions and choices ending up in the preeminence of Christ? You know, we lay it all out that we, even with our patriarchs, not all the decisions and the choices that they made ended up with the lineage that God was establishing with Christ. Hagar did not end there, Ishmael did not end there, Esau did not end there, Richard did not end there. It's, 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 these, are, these, are, these, are, these are choices that they made themselves. The choices that God made himself concerning Leah, concerning Sarah, concerning Jacob, they were the choices that ended with, together in the cave. Lineage of Christ. Lineage of Christ meaning that it is going to end up in us becoming the bride. So we are saying that with all the purpose that he had purpose concerning Jesus Christ, with all the purpose that he had purpose concerning freedom ministries, just as he purposed in Christ, and he was unfolding them, there were things that were taking place that were not really ending in Christ. And so as we are entering into this age, this time, this now, God is drawing our attention to the foundation. The things that will help us to be sustained in that eternal purpose in bringing about our lives as a bride, every aspect, absolute, 
It was not Sarah. It was not, excuse me, it was not Hagar. That was not going to birth Isaac. It's absolute. It is not Rachel. That is going to birth Jesus Christ. It is absolute. It's an absolute thing. God is absolute. And his eternal purpose to God in Christ is absolute. The things concerning your life, they are to be absolute. Whether you like it or not, you will choose a certain career and it is a waste. He will not tell you. He didn't tell Abraham that, oh, Ishmael is going to be this for 13 years. 13 years. Everything that they did was right, sound judgment to them. He thought he had gone into his breakthrough with the son, finally, by himself. I don't want to preach a certain message because we're going to be hearing a lot this morning. So the Institute of Christian Living and Growth has to go concurrently. Mm. Mama Angie, it has to go, what we're talking about has to go concurrently with the movement. Hallelujah. Without that, I was talking to Bobby. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a vain thing. So it's a vain thing. It's a vain. Vain. There's no substance. Uh, the base, say the base, and the conclusion. Where where is it coming from? We're going to be hearing a lot from Minister Teresa later on. So I don't want to go into those dynamics. We need a substance. So God is establishing freedom life, freedom ministries into what is going to take place. And yesterday, we look at the whole sense of the church, right? Where it's coming from and everything. Uh, today, we're going to look at the movement of God. In, in bringing about the purpose, what a prophet has declared. You know, so, see, I'm piecing everything. What a prophet has declared is going to take a movement of God to bring it to pass. That is what we're going to learn this morning. The movement of the Holy Spirit in bringing about and putting into operation the sonship, preeminence, supremacy, and the power of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My next slide, please. So we want to look at, don't change it. I'll read it from here. You can open your Bibles. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Hallelujah. My next slide. So the question we are asking is when the Holy Spirit moved upon the face of the waters, what was the essence of it? Hello? When 
the Holy Ghost moved upon the face of the waters to brood over the waters. What was the essence of it? The essence, as I said yesterday, is the ultimate, say ultimate, importance, significance for why a thing or an experience, a phenomenon, etc., exists. And I demonstrated that when you're thinking about essence, maybe from one, two, three, four, from this begins, but he can be an essence. She can be an essence. But the ultimate, the end, is the essence. I want this thing to come into you and your understanding of God. Okay? So it's a fundamental line. It, it, it runs through the scriptures. What he starts, it has a logical conclusion. The end. There are intervening end points. But there's an ultimate end. That's what we are talking about. So creation has an essence. As we learned yesterday, it's all heading towards what? The preeminence of Christ, right? You know, mankind, uh, marriage, career, the church, etc. The ultimate importance of them all. That's what we want to find out in this study. They have implications on how, as a family, we are organized. Amen. Next slide. Now, when we look at the movement of the Holy Ghost, exactly what are we talking about, the movement of the Holy Ghost? So, you see, I'm touching on two basic things, the essence hmm, and the very movement, the nature of the movement and what really essence is. So, we can understand the question we are asking. When he moved, what was the essence of it? When he moved, what was the essence of it? Hmm? We want to understand what essence is. And we want to understand the nature of that movement we are talking about. You know, he's saying that this is the vivid, say vivid, appearance of a form that the Holy Spirit takes that comes with God's radical transformation in the state of affairs on earth. For the fulfilling of the essence of that movement. See, that movement has an essence, the end. But the movement, the nature of that movement we are talking about is when the Holy Spirit appears as a form. So the Holy Spirit influences us. Hmm? We don't know how to pray, but it helps us to pray. That is an influence. A influence. It's not a movement. Hello? It's an influence. It's not a movement. We're talking about movement. When God moves, the Holy Spirit is God. Hmm? So the Holy Spirit moving is God moving. When God moves, what is the essence of it? No, I'm not really talking about the influence. Like speaking in tongues. Like healing. Like uh, tongues and interpretations. These are all influences of the Holy Spirit. I'm distinguishing that from the vivid, 
That's why I'm saying graphic. Graphic is graphic. You see him. Vivid appearance. Something happens without movement. Radical transformation takes place. State of affairs, the prevailing conditions, situations before the movement. Hello? So there is a situation. There is a condition. There is a circumstance. When he moves, he changes radically. That radical transformation is to end. Ends. Ends in the essence. Oh, hallelujah. Something radical always happens when we encounter that kind of movement. So my responsibility here is to walk with you through the scriptures to see, to come and see those movements and the radical transformation that took place so that as we are being engaged by God this weekend, the mouth of the prophet has spoken, God is going to turn famine in America, but he's beginning with freedom ministries. There is a state of affairs. There is a condition of the church. The church has not even yet come to understand that it is not an imagery. It is not a literary device. When the Bible says that we are the bride, I come from a school of thought. I've been trained by a school of thought. That I've looked at the bride as an imagery and as a literary device. Oh, hallelujah. We are redefining the church. What I want to basically establish with us is that the Holy Spirit movement, things came to lead to Christ's preeminence. Hello? Do you see that? Genesis 1 and 2. Maybe you haven't thought about it like that. You know, maybe flapping some wings and, you know, the waters are like... You know, the prophet said we should have fun in the house of God, right? <laughs> it's all to bring about things. The things that will bring about the preeminence of Christ. We thought about that yesterday, right? Extensively. That the things that might bring about his preeminence have to be brought into being. And that was what, he, when he moved, God was bringing into being the things Oh, hallelujah. Are you getting the sequence here? You have purpose, eternal purpose in Christ. You are going to be preeminent by things, including mankind. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Immediately God moved. He's bringing into reality unfolding. Began to unfold the things on earth. 
hallelujah, that will bring about the preeminence of Christ. I tell you, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11, he said in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he will gather things in heaven and on earth, one in Christ. Hallelujah. Those were the things. The things have to be gathered. The earth is therefore having an essence. There was no earth. But he has said that by things. You're going to have preeminence. But the way he designed it, of his own goodwill, not yours, he said the earth will be the mart that will be laid like a garment and bring things upon the earth. That's what Ephesians 1.11 is saying. Things on earth that will be gathered. If things on earth will be gathered and there is no earth, the earth has to be created. So when they ask you why the earth and the evolutionists are saying all kinds of things, there's a determinate counsel of God concerning the earth. This is what theology is not showing us. I said, this is what theology is not showing us. Theology is trying to use philosophy to explain the earth. It's simple in the scriptures. I'm not trying to use Greek. I'm not using Hebrew. I'm, I'm just emphasizing on what the scripture is saying. Things. Earth. Is, I don't need any Hebrew to understand earth and all of those things. So the earth has an importance. Ah, it's simple. It's there. But we have not seen it. So we cannot explain it. We have not even considered the preeminence of Christ as the end. We come to understand it. And that is where the confusion is. Oh, please, come on. So what is the central point? Knowing the importance of the movement of the Holy Spirit would impact our living orientations with God. Hallelujah. You see, I'm very specific. As an educator and as a teacher, I have to be very specific with what we are doing. See, here I'm not even talking about living relations. I'm talking about living orientation. <laughs> Hallelujah. So that we shall understand the real reason why I exist on earth. When I understand the real reason why I live on earth, that will impact what I prioritize. And that will impact what I pursue. So that when I meet a wife or somebody that I think is going to be a wife, I'm not looking at the time we're going to have a jolly you know, session or moment in a restaurant or somewhere enjoying ourselves. I, I, I bet we're coming into a place where Christian education is going to be rewritten. 
And I'm saying that it's going to come into a place when the man asks the woman, I love you. I want to marry you. Huh? You're coming at me with something that is not consistent with God and me. You cannot marry me in your own terms. What you are saying that you love me and you want to marry me. Is that right? Language has to change. I'm not marrying you because I love you. Marrying you because it's purpose. And I've come to understand the purpose that it is absolute. It's not every man, it's not every woman that will bring you into that purpose. So when we are reading certain things in the scriptures, and say, oh, David, you can ask for any wife that you want. It's not any wife. That's perversion. God is just saying to him, luxury. Like he did to Abraham. You, you married to Hagar anyway. You gave a birth to children anyway. It's okay. You married. He married Keturah. Of his own choice. But all those women are not ending up in Christ. So when God is saying that you can marry anything that you want. Look at the scripture again. It's not every woman. It's not every woman. It's not every career. It's not every land. It's that go to the land that I will choose for you. Go to the land that I will choose for you. My land that I will choose. The woman that you have appointed. These are characteristics of God. Truths of God. Pattern. Jesus is not marrying any woman. So why should I marry any woman? Jesus is marrying a woman appointed. That is the standard. He is truth. Any other thing is not truth. And there are so many things in the scriptures that show signs of truth, but they are not truth. When he came to Satan, um, Jesus said, he said, if you are the son of God, turn this stone to bread. Jesus looked at him and said, no. Man must live by bread, not bread alone, but by every word. Standard. My next slide. So, Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. What I'm trying to do here is to show you the things that were before he moved. Say the things that were before he moved. The Bible is saying that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the earth. That's the condition. Right? Hello, church. It's a condition, right? Mom? It's a state of affairs. We don't know how long that state of affairs had been. But when he moved, he began to fail to order and to beautify the heaven and the earth, making mankind the being, the supreme creature of it. 
Hello? That is transformation. What was void has been filled. What was without form, now there are mountains, there are lakes, there are rivers. You know, there is the heaven, and there is the land, the earth, and there is the sea. You know, no beauty has come. You, aesthetically, you, you can appreciate the, the earth. God has done something, a radical transformation by his movement. And the things that have been set on earth, they are not just there for themselves. Packed to reach the ultimate. Which is by things that he might have his preeminence. That is what is happening. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. May that open your eyes. We, you know, from here, as you pick your Bible and you are reading, now you are reading with the envisioned purpose of God in the scriptures. Changing your own orientation. Your own outlook. Biblically, I'm not using Greek. I'm not using Hebrew. I'm making it plain. What is hidden is being made what? Plain. The relationship of things in the Bible that we are not seeing is now opening your eyes to see the relationships. Point A and point B have logical relation. There cannot be B when there is no A. Hello? There cannot be B when there is no A. A has to come. B, C, D. Amen. So we're looking at this question. Now, we want to get into dangerous movement here. As a dangerous. Ah, may God help me here. May God help me here. Huh, some theologies are, some teachings are ready to be thrown out the window. Amen. Said so some theologies, some teachings are going to be thrown outside the window. Because we are coming to know the true essence. Because when he created man, there was no indication of Christ. Because according to the Bible, he was hidden, right? From all the ages. Christ was not revealed as he has been revealed to us now. Are you hearing me? So, Adam, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, they didn't know the full counsel of God. They had a sense, but they cannot concretize it. We have been helped. So, Adam, the first Adam, all the way until Jesus came, it had appeared that Adam is the essence. Hello? I said all the way from Genesis chapter 1, 
two till he landed upon the face of the earth. Even when he was here, still, it has not been revealed. He had to move up, back from, to heaven, to sit upon the throne beside the right hand of the Father, to release the Holy Ghost, to bring revelation. He said, he will teach you truth that I have not yet told you. He will bring you more insight. We shall increase in the wisdom of God and of his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So until he sat down. All we knew was somebody who came. But it has no connection, really, with what God's agenda was. So we have looked at the first Adam as the ultimate essence. He came to create a man upon the earth, gave him mandate to multiply and replenish and everything, have dominion. Some too will reemphasize it. What is man that thou art mindful of? Thou hast made him little lower than the angels. You've given him power over all the things you've created. So we are looking at the development of the scriptures. And it's sounding very well. That it's about man. Who is to have the dominion? It's sounding like it is man. Who is to replenish and subdue the earth. And multiply and be fruitful. That is what is seeming. And I've told you that if you're looking at the essence, you don't stop at two. Maybe there is a third. Maybe there is a fourth. But in the beginning, it only looks like it has ended with two. Three and four has not been brought into the picture. Hello? So we have ended with two. And so, coming into the world, man has blown it. Man has sinned. I know Papa Hagen, God bless his spirit. I learned something. You know, how Adam had conspiracy, in conspiracy, had delivered, you know, the whole kingdom, the whole dominion thing to Satan. And how Christ had come to redeem him, to restore him into what he lost. So that he can now powerfully begin to subdue and rule. He's talking in half language. In academics, this is not criticism. This is what the gift of God for people like us who have been given the grace to study extensively. We critique things. Not to destroy things. We critique to add 
upon the knowledge that was before. There is an essence of Adam concerning God's purpose in Christ. So we are not denying that. But we are saying that he is not the essence. He is an essence. Not the. Now, English students. There is a difference between the article and and the. The is specific. The. Absolute. When you use the, you are making an absolute statement. When you use an, variables. An. Variables was made and so there could be many and essence. Hello, it's not the essence, but because of the way the scriptures have been rendered, it has appeared that Adam is the essence. So the whole Christian education has been founded on this half truth that is about man. Christ came to as an interventionist to intervene to intervene to restore the, 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 the blood pressure is gone so high so we make interventions to restore the level of the blood in the person so he can function well that is the way we have looked at Christ coming He's an interventionist. The one who comes to help us with our sins. To bring us back to the origin. Where we lost it. Oh. We have taught so many things. Weak foundation. Hmm. I like the silence. That is the power of acting. <laughs> Hello? Thinking. I know people are thinking. No, things are... What God is blessing this church with is the truth that have not been revealed. To millions. Say millions. Millions. And millions. We can't even go to billion. <laughs> this house has been blessed this weekend. God is now unfolding the real essence of the movement. So, you come into the New Testament. Now, Romans is saying that the first Adam is a figure. Who? Hello? Of the one who was to come. So, the scripture is now with the revelation of Jesus Christ is debunking. Is slotting out what we have thought to be the essence. Now he's telling you that Adam is a figure. A figure. The Greek word is tupos. Something that represents. It's not real. Like an architect 
coming out with the plan and the mimicking of the building, what it will look like. They'll give you some kind of a picture, what it will look like at the end. When you look at it, the blueprint, it, it has all the features that the building will look like externally. And as a matter of fact, when the building is really put up, and you look at the external, and what was giving you, they look, they look very the same. But the real has come. What do you do with the mimicry? God is not showing us the real essence. Adam is a figure. So how do you build your life on a figure? How do you build your life, your whole life, your imagination, your priorities on a figure? Adam himself is a means to an end. How do you build your life on means to an end? It's ridiculous. And that is why the church is impoverished. We are not. Hmm. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Yes. The foundation. No other foundation. Jesus. Who God had purposed. To be the preeminent. He is what the New Testament by revelation of the Holy Ghost is bringing to our attention. First Corinthians chapter 15, it says, then comes the end. Hey, so in the beginning, in the beginning, then comes the end. So what was begun had an end. Do you see the sequence? There's a line. In the beginning, God said, let there be this, let there be that. In the end, the whole sense, for he had put all things under his feet. Whew. So it was not the first Adam that is going to put things under his feet. It is not the first Adam who is going to deliver the kingdom. Hello. God has a vision. It's unfolding the vision. We have not come to the full counsel of the vision. And we are making Christian education on Adam. The first Adam. The first Adam is a living soul. The last Adam is a quickening spirit. So how do you build your Christian education on a living soul? When there is a quickening spirit that is to come. I, I mean, what we are saying is, I mean, it's, it's obvious, it's there. So there is an error. May God help the church. 
mean, today I listened to a tape that somebody sent me. I mean, I, can, I, I will mention names because I don't care. Bishop Truda. You know, declaring some things. That we shall, you know, subdue the earth and all kinds of things. And I'm shaking my head. It's an error. An error. Because the intention of God for the subduing of the earth is not Adam. It's not me. It's not you. It's the head. And when we come to it, we are made joint hers. We are joined with him. So it's not two individuals. It is not me and sister uh, Karen. It is me and sister Karen joined. So how do you tell me that I, someone else, as an individual, I am going to subdue the earth? This is the currency. This is what my Smaran is teaching. Was teaching. I'm making out, and I got to, you know, God showed me something in a dream. I saw a black serpent, and I was holding a book, and I threw the book, and the book cut the black serpent into pieces. I'm here to declare the counsel of God. Let them say, hey, but the truth of God has to be declared because we have men and women among us who are perpetrating a certain kind of what is seemed to be truth, which is not truth. Oh, my next slide. The Holy Spirit movement was to bring things that would bring about the preeminence of Christ. Do you see man there? You see the dark thing? Man is among the things. <laughs> that is coming with the presence, the preeminence of Christ. To be his wife. That is the essence of man. It's like a river set, flowing into a bigger ocean. It's a tributary flowing into a bigger water. That bigger water is Christ. I want to make something here. See, there have been all kinds of talk about transfer of wealth and all kinds of things and leaving legacies and because Christ has come and he has restored us. But we know who he has given all things to. Who? Christ. Not me. I am a joint heir. <laughs> what is transfer of wealth to me? For what? Why do we make it so important and make it a curriculum for the church? Like Abraham, give me a son so that I can live a posterity to. To what end? And we are coming into Galatians and he said, even that son is a type. 
giving that child that wealth, it is God illustrating himself in Abraham as the father who will give all things to the son. That is what is taking place with Abraham and Isaac. It is like David who will have Solomon to sit upon the throne. And now we are coming into the New Testament said this one is the son, the one who will sit upon the throne of his father David. So it was not Solomon. You know, so Christian education has been very, very wishy-washy. We have drunk lies of the devil, seeming to be truth. Why do we embrace? Because all of us, we are about pursuing our own thing. That is the problem. The problem is me. Because I want my self actualizationed me. So it sounds good. It's an itchy ear. Many are rushing to hear prophets speak certain things into their lives. To what end? You said that God used the man of God to bless and pray for people to be pregnant, to get married. You didn't understand what he's doing. God is telling you that the children that are going to be born, the marriages that are going to take place, they are not because for your personal. Because without that marriage, without that child, he is not going to have the child to born that will be joined with his son as his body to become his betrothed wife. Hello. See, that's why it's apostles and prophets. Then comes evangelists, teachers, and pastors. When truth is established, it gives substance to the experience. The experience teachers will guide us. Pastors will guide us into what they are to conclude in. So the whole thing has a form of essence for their existence. Hello? I'll be finishing very soon. Go ahead. So, you just go ahead. We've talked about this yesterday. Go ahead. I'll let you know. God. Okay. No, back. Yes, patterns of the movement. Say patterns. <laughs> to bring home the message that the Holy Spirit moves is a vivid appearance. Say vivid. That brings about radical transformation in the state of affairs. So we find in Genesis chapter 1 that when he moved 
You know, we don't get the form, really. But it's saying that it is brooding. Say brooding. So, it's giving our, you know, sense that it is not just an influence. It is something have moved. It's giving you a picture of a form. There is something, though it is not showing it as a form, but you can relate to it in an invisible sense that is about something substantial. It gives it a name. Holy Spirit. Hello? So the Holy Spirit grounds that whole thing into an entity. Form. When he moved, he began to bring about the things on earth that will lead to the preeminence of Christ. Now, in John chapter 1, verse 31 to 34, Christ comes. And the messenger of God, John the Baptist, says, this is what was told him. That when the dove comes to settle upon him, this is the one. So over here, we're seeing a vivid appearance of the Holy Ghost. Vivid. Dove. It's a movement. Hello? Vivid. Uh, so, you know, I'm saying, I'm re- recapping. The movement we are talking about is the vivid appearance that brings about what? Radical transformation. Hello? So when Jesus came and blood came upon him, the Bible says that the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Hello? So there was the presence of darkness. Light has come. The light that came began to change the orientation of mankind. What we have pursued all the time as the reason of our existence, things and becoming, things and becoming, now he's saying that it is not things and becoming, becoming and things that to have, but it is now seeking first the kingdom. And all other things shall be added. So he's changing our priorities. And what we are to pursue I have this shirt. I don't have to pursue buying this shirt. Because I have it. Hello? I don't have to. So what has been provided? Why do you pursue it? Hello? You have that house already. That particular house. Why do you pursue it? So this is the perfection and the last thereof. I ask people the question, why Keturah? Hello? Why Keturah? After you have come to know that Sarah is the one who is bringing you the everlasting covenant son. So any children you have with Keturah is not of the everlasting covenant. Hello? God said, this is the son that I have the everlasting covenant with. It is then. So why do you go for Keturah? 
the purpose have been attained in Sarah. So why Keturah and his children waste of our own personal loss? So when Jesus Christ came as the firstborn of every creature, as the firstborn among many brethren, he is now being made in, to come into association with the things that is going to bring him his preeminence. Sorry, we talk about association. It's coming out as a theme. Christ came to be associated with the things so that he can be truly said that he's the firstborn of every creature. And when he came, he didn't come as God. He came as man. Hello? So he came as man. He resigned his deity and functioned as man. Born by God. As you will be born by God. He would die and you would die like him. And rise like him. And be seated with him. You know, is it a pattern? So when he came, he came for the association. So that the truth of God will be founded. That it is true. He is man. And so the equation is true. Firstborn of every creation. How can he be firstborn of every creation when it's not found as one with the creature? Deep. But freedom ministries, this is what God is bringing to you. The work he's going to do in America. The work of elevating the church in America. The fire that is coming to America. It's been set up here. That is what the prophet is talking about. The famine that is in the land. The famine. The famine. The famine. The famine, the truth, the counsel of the will of God is being set up in this church. But it's going to take a movement. Because it is the movement that will bring about the radical transformation. And so the third pattern, the third pattern is when it came as fire. Tangible, Right? Upon the apostles, 120 of them. And their mission was to begin the gathering into him. Hello? I said the movement was to begin the gathering into him by their witnessing that he is the son of the living God. And anyone who will come to believe that he is the son of the living God becomes part of Christ. Formed in his body. That was the movement in Pentecost. 
The point of the movement was the point for the gathering. He had come to associate no gathering yet. No birthing. Hello? I said no birthing. He had just come to associate. But when he had gone and sat upon the throne and he sent forth the Holy Ghost there came as fire a movement of God now began the gathering for him to have the body. Oh, I said for him to have the body. So we are looking at the fourth movement. I know Azusa had come. Azusa was a flash in the pan. Hallelujah. Because it has not changed the church much. So we are looking at the movement. Hey! Fire! Will come upon Freedom Ministries. You know, I'm, I'm being prophetic here. So sometimes apostles move prophetically. Pay attention seriously with what the prophet is saying. See, because the movement comes with prayer. Hello? He chose Anna, the prophetess, to begin serious intercession for his coming. When the fire was to come, so gather and pray. Prayer. Prayer. Say prayer. Is the force. The precipitating force that ignites God. That he comes and says now. Didn't he say to Moses, the cry of my people have come to me. Now come. What were they doing for those years? They were praying. Let the promise come. Let the redeemer come. Let him come. Let him come. It took 430 years for that cry to seem like it has been heard. But the time came when all the precipitating had gathered and now there is no resistance. Now the time comes to reveal himself. So now. Prayer. So we got to take seriously. The prophet. See, I'm an apostle. I am a person of order. I discern God's voice. And that is what I heard. That is why I came to you. Listen. Are you ready to become Rebecca? Where is Sister Julie? With haste. (laughs) 
I said with haste. Come on. With haste. We are responding. We are responding. We are responding. With haste. With haste. With haste. With haste. We are going to arise. We are going to arise. We are going to arise. And we are going to follow to our destination that has been shown us. It is not in vain that we are going to build hotels. See now. I said it is not in vain that we are going to build hotels. It is not in vain that we are going to build restaurants. It is not in vain that we are going to build a Bible school. Grounds have been prepared. The by the prayer, God will move. And we should be in expectation. I said with great expectation. With great expectation. Because when he commanded the go and wait for the promise, they were there in expectation. They were there in expectation until he came. Until he came. Until he came. Until he came. And when he came, radical. He's talking about radical things. That is what comes with the movement. So he would tell John the Baptist, I'm here. And the radical things are taking place. What you saw, the movement that you saw, the radical things. People are getting healed. And he said it is not just miracles. It's radical stuff that are taking place. Indicating me as the one who is to come. Hi. My last slide. Come on, go ahead. Okay, just give me that. The next one. The, the, the last but one. No, no, the last but one. The previous one. Okay. My last one. Say individual. Individual. Family. Community. Nation. Preeminence of Christ. That's what we are seeing. The radical transformation that will come with the movement of God upon freedom ministries. It's not a radical transformation that is just happening for the experience. But it's transforming the individual. Living orientation. Ha. And what we are going to pursue is grounding us. It's going to filter into the family. Once the individual is in it, it's going to affect the family because we now know the essence. So we're now going to build our marital relations, our family, towards that essence. And as we are redefining ourselves, we give you no room to abortion people. We give you no room to gay people. We're making the bold statement that it's all about Christ. That is what we began with the prayer this morning, right? Said, I'm an educator. I'm piecing it all together. I, 
I pay attention. <laughs> I pay attention to the pieces to bring them together, to make sense. That is sense we have received today. It's not making sense. If it's not impacting the individual in this way, it's not impacting families and our communities, we have to recheck. Because the transformation that is going to take place it's a transformation that is going to impact America family. I'm going ahead of myself to believe that there's going to be a lot of Christian academies. So I'm going beyond myself to say that there's going to be a lot of Christian academies. Why? Because the mainstream academy is not according to our outlook. And the way they are shaping our children is making them anti-Christ. Anti-God. is distancing them from becoming part of God. So we will be obligated to be bold. This is when transfer of wealth becomes meaningful. Are you understanding this? To run our academies. To run our communities. To show the counsel of God. Upon the face of the earth. So that when they are seeing. The might and the glory of God. And then once upon a time. Hume. The church. Is no more. Huh? Something. Is gone. A light. Has been taken away. And the Bible said there will be such darkness that will fall upon the face of the earth because the light has been taken away. 